Our Ask an Expert segment continues. And this morning we welcome into the studio Ganesh. Uh, you'll have to forgive me, Kamanal, if I got that right? Kuramanil. Kuramanil. There we go. That's one of those uh, little language things. We're going to get into that right now. Uh, Ganesh is a CDU PhD candidate and a lecturer for the College of Indigenous Features, Arts and Society. You've been doing that since 2014. Thank you for coming in with us this morning. Hopefully you're well. A pleasure. Thank you. Brilliant stuff. Can you talk to me? more about your role? Uh, well, like, you know, uh, we are in a transforming world of academics, so uh, my background has been teaching English um, language and linguistics, but then since then I have been doing quite a few other things like uh, related to that. So at present, um, I, I have been like in, the, in between, I've been doing a, a coordination of an undergraduate program for uh, in Indigenous language and linguistics. And um, at present, uh, like I'm delving into uh, cultural competencies and all, which is again a related area. So, I mean, gone are those days where, like, you know, a linguistics or language lecture will teach only that. Mm. Um, so, and it's kind of an interdisciplinary, in, in particular, our colleges are very much uh, interdisciplinary space for the, the entire university. So, yeah, I get into pretty much everything that attracts me. We have so many international students here at CDU, lots of whom uh, don't have English as their first language, but speak many, many languages. How many languages do you speak? I speak about reasonably well about five. Holy cow. How do you keep that straight? Uh, well, I think, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to start with, to, you know, having born in, born in India to, to, uh, to parents who were traveling. Um, so in India, like I, we are born bilingual anyway, because uh, there's no Indian who can speak just one language. Um, I mean, that's true for every, every of the hundred and, you know, I think uh, 1.3 billion Indians today. So I've been fortunate uh, to be born into that context. Then I grew up in another state where we have uh, a different languages. So I picked up those languages as a child and it's much easier for any child. I have child. heard that, yeah. yeah. So uh, Chomsky, like who is a leading figure in uh, linguistics, you know, he had devised a term called LAD, like, you know, um, LAD, that is a, a language acquisition device that apparently disappears after you turn 14. So I haven't done much of uh, research in that area, but what I'm trying to say here is like, you know, until you're 14, whatever you get exposed to, you pick up like a sponge, you know? So Yeah, so if there are people listening that have small children, a perfect mm. opportunity to teach them a second or third language. That's right. And I think uh, in our Australian context where we have so many migrants and one of the issues mm. that really personally bothers me is that the parents not ignoring the, the, the mother tongue because they somehow think that it's enough for them to learn English, which oh. is good. Uh, but, you know, that's another thing. I don't think that's the topic of the day today. No, so, that's okay. But yeah. I, guess, I guess for a lot of people, when they do move and they mm. create a home in another country, the desire to assimilate and the desire to fit in, I guess, really takes hold. And so, therefore, they think, if I can learn English and communicate well, I'll fit into this new community. But you're right, it can be at the detriment of their mother tongue. Yeah, but that, uh, you can do that, I mean, without the loss of your language. Mm. That's the whole point. So, mm. why would you lose something that you don't have to lose in order to gain something else? Do you think that Indigenous Australians are confronted by that as well? I think Indigenous uh, Australians come, in, you know, they may seem to be in a similar situation where they speak multiple languages mm. at home and uh, they may not speak English as or the standard Australian English as we call at home. But uh, I think uh, the difference there is that Indigenous, you know, the context has been imposed on them unlike the international students. International students choose to come to Australia knowing mm. well that they need to have English, they need to, you know, 
what do you say, demonstrate their English skills before even they arrive to yes. this country uh, for studies, for migration and everything else. Uh, but for indigenous people, do they have a choice? You know, that's what I, that's how I look at it, mm. having lived in, you know, Australia for almost 15 years now. So I think uh, the the difference there is that indigenous people, unfortunately, I think, and it's my personal perspective, that they don't have a choice, uh, unlike the international students, for example. Mm. And that's exactly where uh, my research becomes more, much closer to my heart and say, you know, like, you know, you're talking about a people like, who are compelled to be where they are historically. Mm. Um, and then uh, how does the language play into their life? So, yes, they speak different languages. They are very similar in terms of acquiring English. They have the similar or same difficulties like anyone would have in acquiring a second language or third language. So, there are the similarities, but there are differences too. And does that create roadblocks to study? Uh, indeed. Um, certainly because uh, uh, I came here as an international student. So one of the first things I had to prove uh, to the University of Sydney was at that time was that, that yeah, well, I can speak good English. So I had to go and take an IELTS or IELTS International English Language Testing System, you know, an English test. Um, and uh, which uh, I had decent scores or decent band score, as you say, and uh, which permitted me to get started. They realized that, okay, well, this guy understands English. Uh, although it's, uh, it's an irony that in India, uh, like uh, higher education has always been in English ever since the Brits. So even after they left, the English remained in India. Mm. So, but still that, you know, that's a different thing. Um, legally, we, we, we have to, like in you know, visa conditions and all, you know, stipulates that we must demonstrate our English skills. So right. I did that. And, uh, well, I did my master's, another master's at Chasta, you know, City University, um, about, uh, it's, it's around teaching English to speakers of other languages. So, um, if, you, if you look at it, yes, um, it can be detrimental uh, if you don't have the language skills. And uh, even the academic culture is different in Australia when compared to many other countries, in particular in India. Mm. Uh, the assignment system, for example, the evaluation. And uh, most importantly, like in Australia, we look for the voice of the student in the, uh, in the responses. Uh, whereas, uh, like it's a very traditional way, like the Asian way of looking at it, okay, yeah, I just follow what the teacher says. Right. So if you follow it to the dot, you are a great student. And if you deviate, now you're not listening to your teacher. You know? yeah. so, so that's that uh, cultural difference as well. So there are qu quite a lot of detrimental things that can happen to a person coming to a Western, Western education system, not just a language. Through your, through your studies and through your work, have you found that um, with our Indigenous Australian students that while perhaps their, their verbal skills are very advanced and being able to speak the English language and understand compared to what they're able to write and what they're able to put into their assignments and to their papers? Uh, before I answer that, I, you know, I would like to qualify that bit, uh, the context a bit, because when we talk about uh, spoken English, uh, it's true that quite a lot of in Indigenous students speak English and they could be speaking a variety of Aboriginal English. Mm. Right. And uh, given the, what to say, the, given the acceptance or, you know, what to say, we, we are a, as, as a multilingual society, we would accept all accents and all varieties of English here, so long as it makes sense to us. Otherwise, yes. we, we, we are more com comfortable asking, you know, what did you mean? You know, that happens. So maybe sometimes we take it for granted that, okay, they're speaking standard Australian English, which is not the case. Mm. And uh, there is research uh, in the school sectors, you know, specifically where, Teachers for decades have thought that the students were speaking inferior English, whereas uh, they were just speaking Aboriginal English. Mm. And linguistically, Aboriginal English is a dialect of English in Australia. And uh, most people don't uh, know, I mean, they're not aware of it. So they think that it's inferior English that they are speaking and therefore, you know, what, you know just imagine what might happen if you're speaking inferior English in an English-only classroom. Yes. So, 
uh, also the other thing in the, the other of uh, negative fallout is that quite often those students get actually branded as students with learning disabilities rather than uh, linguistic differences so that's a kind of a wrong banding uh, you know branding that happens mm. too so uh, in, in general yes people speak quite well and they can communicate quite uh, effectively uh like any bilingual people they are more sensitive about what the other person thinks about what they speak you know because mm. you know if you know two languages or three when you speak to another person you're much more conscious about what you're speaking and how that might impact and therefore i think i find aboriginal students or indigenous students you know uh, as keen and careful about communicating what they want to with whatever language or words that they can they can conjure up do we have a high percentage of indigenous students here at cdu uh proportionately yes because our territory as you know like you know we have the highest proportion of indigenous population in the country um i, I think uh, roughly uh, we would have around you know 70 to 18% uh, indigenous mm. enrollments in our university um in both sectors i would say um you know vet and higher education together um so yes um, and the school numbers are going up which is really positive if you look at uh, the indigenous students at schools you know nt schools we have seen a very positive increase yeah and with your with your work with your thesis mm-hmm. that you're that you're doing at the moment what are you exploring in that body of work well um in fact like you know maybe to to use a fancy term i would say i'm exploring uh, the invisible <laughs> so wow. because uh, you know it all happened uh, many years ago when i was uh, uh, teaching at uh, bachelor institute uh, we had a group of students uh, we were doing a subject on uh, community language planning which all indigenous communities do by the way like you know they have specific plans formal or informal and one of the student actually was contributing so significantly because you know this person was actually a leading figure in her community but when she submitted an assignment um you know that was nowhere near an assignment as like, you know an essay with dot points you know you can just imagine and in our system like that's an absolute fail and mm. i mean it's not even worth looking at it but then what shocked me was like you know the contribution she made i thought she had fantastic points in the classroom but when it comes to her essay there was nothing to it be it wasn't translated yes. onto the paper yeah so i had to actually obviously meet to mitigate that risk and uh, you know that's a normal procedure at universities you know where we talk try and talk to the students so i had a, a you know an appointment with her uh we start talking about trying to find out why she did that and uh, what uh, made the penny drop was when she said that oh look you know english is difficult for us because english is my fifth language mm. and that resonated with my own case because i know how i picked up hindi and english and other languages because i used to speak only malayalam at home which is my mother tongue and i still remember the days when you know as a child in 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 year 1 i literally cried many days because i did not understand what others were speaking wow okay, wow so i had that personal experience so i could connect quite well with the student and that's when i started reading up you know as an academic that's what you do you want to know more about it reading yeah. up and it cho- you know i was very puzzled because there was nothing written about it like uh, indigenous uh, eald that is english as an additional language or dialect students in higher education there was nothing about it uh, in literature So I said okay that makes it more even more intriguing so I started talking to some of my mentors and said yeah you know look that's something that everyone knows but nobody talks about yeah. you know that kind of thing so that they started my journey you know so and and here I am like uh, I mean I've had a great experience talking to students and people related to them at university so matter I also have uh, looked at uh, the attrition rates which is really you know significant in terms of indigenous attrition you know, on one hand we have a large number of students enrolling we boast about it which is great yeah we're doing a great job with widening participation agenda mm. and all that but, but how many successfully yeah but what we don't talk about is a leaky bucket 
Mm. You know, and that's, mm. I'm trying to see whether my research could plug some of those holes. Yeah, It won't yeah. plug everything, but at least uh, something that pertinently, that's very significant for success in Western universities or English universities is, you know, your, your, your fluency, your confidence, your capability in using the language. Uh, not just English, but the academic way of using it. Yeah. Uh, and today we are talking about this in a world where there is significant research being done on monolingual English speakers struggling to deal with academic writing. So what about people who don't even speak English at home? Yeah. So yeah. that's where, you know, we are twice challenged uh, by the system. Right. Yeah, I think your work is, is incredibly valuable and absolutely needed. I really resonated with when you said uh, as a child you didn't feel understood. You weren't understanding and weren't mm -hmm. understood. And I think that resonates, or should, through every stage of our life, no matter where we are. All we want to be is understood. It's so important. Mm -hmm. And if you are looking at higher education and going into, you know, these types of degrees and these types of academic situations... Not feeling understood doesn't put you on the right foot to start and or finish. Well, not feeling understood is, you know, something that detrimental to any human yeah. being for that matter. Because we are, as social beings, like, you know, what if your child doesn't understand you? What if your spouse doesn't understand yeah. you? Like, you know, it impacts, as you rightly said, at every moment of our conscious life. And uh, more so at the university, especially when people come with so much of aspiration. Because people think that universities are, and in, indeed they are for many, uh, a place for transformation. So when you come looking for transformation and you are actually knocked down by the fact that you don't have yeah. a link to the language or link through the language, then where do we stand? Yeah. And then the question is like, you know, who should take the ownership? Yeah. Like, you know, who should, you know, so that, those are the questions that would come out of my research, certainly. And for a lot, for a lot of our Indigenous Australian students coming through, they could be the first generation of their family Indeed. to actually make it through to university. And what an honour and what a thrill and how exciting. And then only to on find... On one hand, on the, on the, on the, on the spectrum, yes. you're absolutely spot on. But what we don't talk about is the other end of the spectrum. What if the same person comes here and, you know, leaves the university in three months? Now, it's not just going to impact them personally. Yeah. It is going to impact the community, the family, because yeah. it's a lot of aspirations that they bring on their shoulders. Mm. Yeah. So... Absolutely agree. It's a high-risk area. Yeah, it really, really is. We wish you all the best with your work. Looking forward to hearing more as it uh, as it goes through. And any time you'd like to come back, and we'd love to have you. Thank you. A pleasure. Thank you very much, Ganesh. Catch up with you soon.